Late and welcome to Nerdtastic in 3D, an entertainment industry podcast where we talk about everything and anything nerdy and anything we want to talk about relating to any of that stuff I just said. I'm sound, Jack Deckler. You sound really tired. I yeah. Sure <laughs> I just had a podcast. And we are down five. Yeah. In this show, well, I guess I guess technically four now that Jason's departed to the land of rain. Um. <laughs> And we thought, well, normally we might cancel this, but me and Mr. Fennel said, screw that noise. Fuck that shit. We're going to do a two-man show. Yes, we the are. The way almost the show was designed to be done back in the day. <laughs> back when we only had four of these. <laughs> yes. And uh, I was only here half the time. Half the time, yeah. And, uh, yeah, we wanted to keep keep it real, keep it live, and uh, and, and bring, you, bring, you some, bring you some of our knowledge. <laughs> yes. Let's bring some knowledge. Let's drop some knowledge. Um. It's funny. I actually like doing these smaller shows. Small shows? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I kind of do, too. I don't know why. There's I'm, something intimate about it. I feel like our tangents will be more fun. Yeah, me, me, <laughs> and, and, and me and Fennel are besties, so it, it, it works out well. Yeah, no one's going to talk over me, which I'm I'm thrilled about. Yeah, I, res- I, I respect the uh, one person at a time talking. Yes. Which, I don't know if I told you. Did I tell you that? So, I, I'm a listener of, uh, to give shout-outs to another podcast, I'm a listener of uh, a YouTube phenom, a guy named Woody's Gamer Tag has a has a, a podcast on um, that they post on YouTube called PKA, mm-hmm. and it's Painkiller Already, and, I, and I'm a fan. I'll, I'll, it's one of those things I can let go at work. They record upwards to four hours sometimes. Yeeps. That's a long and, they, show. and they do it through Google Talk, and they're they're on the East Coast, and they're the guys are all in their own homes, and it's it's unlike our show where we try to uh, we try to we try to record live with each other in the room. I, I've always thought there's something to that that adds compared to being away from the guys. Yeah, I I remember when we did try the Google Hangouts thing. We were kind of midway. Well, through. we were all in the same room. We were in the same room, but even in the same room, we were talking over each other, and it was really. Well, it's weird. It's weird. It's just weird. It's it yeah. works better remote. I'll give them that. Yeah, and we're we're at a company where we have multiple sites, and we have to connect and talk and show footage and do things at multiple sites, and it's, you know, there's a funny YouTube video, um, where actually maybe it was a Super Bowl commercial or something. No, it was a YouTube video. Funny YouTube video about um, uh, people acting out being in a conference meeting where you're conferencing in from a whole bunch of different places. But people like you would come in. Is this just on a phone or with video? No, 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 no. So it's, it's video. It's okay. like, it's a, it's a, a short film, if you will. Um, but it's parody of like conferencing on, um, across site and stuff like that. And there's a guy who sits in and is like, uh, Jeff Goldblum, uh, my access code is this, that, this. And then it opens up and it's like, you have joined the meeting. And, <laughs> and then, so someone knocks on the door and it's like, you, you gotta, you got, no, you gotta click the button. No, you gotta, and then enter your password. Alan has, Alan, Al, Alan, 
Okay, Alan has entered the, the meeting, so this person comes in and sits down and starts talking, and then another person comes in, and then, like, halfway through the meeting, someone else joins in, and the guy's all, like, it's, like, one of the older guys that doesn't get technology, oh, and he's all awesome. like, what is the, what the, there, three hours later. <laughs> yes. But uh, it's super funny, because, like, someone just drops out, and they're like, hey, we're, we're, okay, whatever, and then another person comes in the, at the very end, and they're like, have you been here the whole time? And it's like, oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> and it's just really funny. How and people would talk over each other. They had these little segments of things that always happen when you're remote and you're trying to talk. Well, and that's the thing. the The, the thing that I take from him is that, and Woody in the show, he he's the older guy. And when I say older guy, I'm, I'm he's probably close to my age and Sean's age. Probably so more old. Probably, now. Yeah, probably closer to my age <laughs> and in his thirties. And the guys he does the show with are in their twenties. They're younger people. Uh, that YouTube community is filled with these younger guys, and 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 he always. He, no matter what the conversation is, if there is talking over or anything else, he will break all of that crap and be like, up. can you please let him talk? You, you know the policy of our show. It's one at a time. And it gets really serious in that split second. Huh. But then everybody keeps going. Like, it's not like there's you a respect need that. Yeah. for his old ass. Yeah. And I like that where I feel like us, oh, it's like, well, fuck, we're all kind of there. And we've talked about it. So we're anybody's about listening. Same age, except for Josh. Fuck him. He's too young. <laughs> the... Uh, and anybody's listened to the show since the incept when, when uh, episode one through five or whatever. I mean, we we discussed this after our first show, yeah. first couple shows. We were like, even myself, I, I I was doing this heavily as we were constantly talking over each other. Yeah, and we struggled with like that was back when we were struggling with audio quality, audio levels, what kind of microphone setup we needed, and we just kept finding that we talk over each other way too much, and it still happens a lot, especially with the new added people to the show and just the different dynamic and having seven voices is a lot of voices and it's a lot of opinions and it's really kind of hard to coordinate all of those opinions. So a lot of times we just let it slide, but I do have a feeling that like we lose out on a lot of jokes, a lot of commentary because of that issue. Well, especially about topics that everybody knows something about, right? Mm. I, I mean, if, for listeners of the show, you guys know. We, or I mean, has an opinion and maybe right. doesn't know anything about it, but yeah, have an opinion. Uh, we cover we cover a lot of stuff like we have and it's what i love about this show we you know we we it's nerdtastic it's really but we we clearly all have jobs in the, in the industry and we try to focus stuff towards that but then i love that we will just talk about anything mm-hmm. anything we find that we just want to talk about and part of that is there's times where people know about it and there's other times where sean might drop some crazy science knowledge that <laughs> and no, no one, one knows any comment and i'm like come on and sean, yeah exactly and sean has the soapbox i I like to pride myself, and it's something I've always, since I was younger, of being in the know about kind of every. Now, listen, I'm uh, well. Yeah, we jack come, of all trades, master of yeah, none. We, that's we, my that's like my catchphrase. We've come from a world of generalists in our field. So, yeah. for people who don't know much about the entertainment industry, and especially visual effects and feature animation, you tend to start out in the industry in college and whatever, having to do all of it. You have to do modeling, rigging texturing uv layout you know uh unless, animation. You, unless you go to a specific like animation like, mentor or something that's specifically geared yeah, that's, towards that right but like when we were going to school oh, yeah, those didn't time. exist right so yeah. it was like you are going to learn <laughs> studio class and in studio class you do fucking everything which is good i'm sure you could agree i mean you, yeah absolutely. You, you learn because you might not know exactly what you want to do or before you get in the industry you have an idea what you want to do and then you realize that's not it. That sucks or yeah. I'm terrible at it and I have to pick up a backup plan. Yeah, but um, 
you end up doing all those things, which is very good because you kind of understand the production process, which a lot of people, when they get to a studio, need to understand where they sit in the process, what they need, and what they need to get, deliver. But uh, when you get to a studio like DreamWorks or like Disney or like any other big VFX house, a lot of the cases, you are doing one job. Like you have a certain set of responsibilities within one job, and that is you're going to do these things and you're going to let those other people in that other department do their sure. things. And it doesn't cross pollinate. I know VFX is a bit different depending on which house you're at. You may be called upon to do a whole host of shit or take a shot all the way through. But uh, in a lot of cases, at least in the environment that we're in, um, it's very, very specialized. So we have come from a Jack of all <laughs> trades kind of mentality and focused a bit more. And I actually feel like my focus in crowds which is probably the more general of a lot of the departments aside so. from effects and previs. Oh, we're very general. Yeah, we're pretty general. Um, which is cool. It is. And it's how it I sell it, it to interesting, people. right? Yeah. Yeah, and they ask, I get asked all the time. I, I, I came from animating, which is an awesome job. And, and, and I know a lot of people who wish they were doing it, and it's great. I do love it. There is something, though, like Sean said, I went to school. I learned everything. Mm-hmm. And I still love animation, and crowds gives me that. But what also is cool is, we're not locked to anything. Like I get to do particle work. I get to do kind of semi effects work. I get to animate with still when I, if I want to animate and get mm-hmm. in there, I get to do motion capture, which I love. I love it here even more. Cause I get to act a lot too. Yeah. Like in the suit, which I, I love. love being on the stage. I think it's um, one of my favorite parts of the job now is being on the stage and directing actors and just interacting. And, you know, I kind of wish a lot more of our stuff could just be captured there and, seen and approved and just said okay this is good let's just touch it up but uh to finish my point i feel like we i've been at dreamworks for 10 years and through the course of dreamworks i've gone through different specialties i've been a character effects artist which is cloth and hair um and you know finessing character deformation that doesn't work out very well um i've been in rigging for a little while i've been in um, i tried a stint in lighting but it didn't work out because of timing um I was an anim TD, and now I landed in crowds, and uh, I feel like through that specialization, I've lost a lot of knowledge on just how things happen now, how to approach problems differently. It kind of of makes you less flexible mentally, doing one thing all the time. Yeah, and I I think it locks – I mean, you definitely hear – I mean, that's the thing. Like, coming from – having worked at a lot of visual effects studios um, where you're sort of forced to know a gambit depending on where you're at. Not the bigger, like Sean said, the bigger houses, that's not necessarily the case. You know, you get hired at Sony to be an animator. Guess what? That yeah. You got hired. Or a TD. Animator. Everyone else is a TD at Sony. <laughs> but like, a, but like a, a studio when I was like at Asylum, I, I was hired as an animator. But I give you a perfect example of uh, I, the only CG character in Apocalypto is a guy who is a... Uh, is the the one um, were they Mayan or Incan? I, I can't remember. I think they were Mayans. He uh, he's running away from the the group of Mayans who were trying to sacrifice him or kill their villagers. For anybody who's seen Apocalypse, spoiler alert. Uh, he jumps off a waterfall. I'm supposed to say spoiler alert ahead of time. Yeah, I've, yeah, <laughs> I was, I was a bit delayed. Um, let's just the internet lags. Uh, 
it, uh, in, in the task that came down is we were doing shots in the film and there was no CG anything really. It was just like a lot of compositing Comping stuff. And, and, and then it came down like we have these two shots. We need a, a digital double, like a, a, a CG version of this guy jumping off the waterfall. Can you guys do it? And, uh, and that got thrown on my plate. And in Asylum's kind of studio where I was doing previs and, and, and all sorts of crap, but this comes down. I'm like, sweet. I got to do some character animation. So I finish it and it finally gets approved. And then they how come many, over how and they... How many, how many takes? Oh, fuck, yeah. <laughs> so as another side story. I've, I've so heard I, this story yeah, before. So I... Uh, goading him. Yeah. I, I, so, so the way I started playing... This was new to me. And, and, and it's like... It's, it might be different at different studios. But when you work in a small visual effects studio, um, compared to here, where at DreamWorks, we work directly with the visual effects supervisor, the CG soups, and the... Um, and director hope, hopefully the director and the director matter of fact yeah. we work with the director a ridiculous amount at the studio more than i had ever in my life like yeah the there's director a chance is, you're going to see him every other week the director is a first class citizen absolutely. in the entire production absolutely process, so, yeah and that that for anybody who, who listens to the show has been out there you know how that's different and anybody who's trying to get into the industry it is a rarity because i'll tell you back like at asylum we're just a house hired on this film and this is the same for dd this is the same for rhythm hughes the same for sony um those directors aren't in-house. They are hired outside sources. They've shot their work in the, in the big studio, say like a Paramount or Warner Brothers said, hey, in this case, Asylum, you got awarded the work. Half Here, the time, you don't even see the visual effects supervisor on no. the film. You well, see and the that's visual what I'm effects at, supervisor yeah. at the studio. So the studio will have, in, in my case, I'll give you Asylum as a case, you have a studio visual effects supervisor. Now, he's, he's the one who's going to oversee your final shots. Now, for those who don't know, what does a visual effects supervisor do? What is their responsibility? In a smaller studio's case, would be he would be the one who would meet with. He'd probably have he'd have a studios the producer probably uh, executive producer actually would set up the meeting with say Warner Brothers. Once the meeting got set, they would send in her and the visual effects supervisor to come in and talk to them. Now this would be actually to be honest with you guys, if if you, it got awarded early enough, this would be at the beginning of a a, a film shoot even. Um, and before they were, anything yeah, before anything and basically Sometimes before previous even you'd have the director you'd have the director's now this is where it's going to start you know, might lose some people you're gonna have the director's visual effects supervisor and then you'd have the studio head so you and i'm going back to a warner brothers case which i don't remember if apocalypto was with them or not um the visual effects supervisors come in they'd explain the director would explain the the scope of the film um and then it would be up to the visual effects supervisor to work with his uh, executive producer to come up with what they call a bid. And we do that here. Sean does that as a supervisor yeah. here. Yeah. And that's basically looking over, in this case, it might be storyboards or it might be previs. And, and nowadays it's previs. The director sometimes might show some previs. Sometimes it might just be a script. Yeah, like and it, it might be a script. That loose. happens quite often. Yeah. And, it, and to get a scope. And that visual effects supervisor's job is to go, okay, we can do this, and this yeah. is how much it's going to cost. We're going to come and, back, and it's going to cost you $50,000 to get this done in this amount of time. And if you're awarded the film after that, the visual effects supervisor's job would be, typically it's him and maybe one other person, two other people, will be on set during all principal shooting. Mm -hmm. Um, to get accurate lighting. I'm sure all of us, have, all of you guys who are, who are into this kind of stuff have seen the chrome balls, the spheres that they, in the making of, where they're trying to get accurate lighting from the day it was shot so that we can match stuff. And they they put down tracking markers because they know there's going to be CG stuff. They're also there, this is interesting, they're also there sometimes to put the director in check. 
uh, and the producer who's on set at the time and check. Because the director now, a lot of directors nowadays will look at a shot and be like, hey, they're shooting like, we'll just fix that in post. Right. And the visual effects supervisor might step in and go, okay, well, you realize what we're going to have to replace or what's going to go into that. You just added $300,000. Exactly. Exactly. And it's important he's there to to sort of mitigate that or to see things that are go that he's going to go, okay, that's fucking impossible. We don't can't (laughs) do that. Yeah. Um, So that's why he's there on set. Now, when it comes back to say asylum in this case, his job is a, uh, is the overall supervisor. So in an asylum case, you don't, you have a visual effects supervisor and then you have a CG supervisor. The CG supervisor would be your immediate soup. And in my case, it was, he was the immediate soup for lighting animation, all the departments on the shot. And then if that was cool, you'd sit the VFX soup you'd sit down with and you guys would look over shots. Now, what got crazy on Apocalypto is, is that Mel Gibson had his own VFX supervisor he's worked with on all his films. And Mel wouldn't come down to Asylum to see, let's just call dailies like we have here or, or weeklies when stuff, the visual effects and CG soup have approved. Um, he would he would send this guy Mel down to look at it and we'd go Mel up and, would send Mel yes and uh, I think it was Daniel's mom it's something else but he would come in and uh, we'd sit up in a flame suite which is a compositing suite and we look over these shots and and I was only doing these two I had I had just these two but they were making a huge deal because they're like this is the only CG character hmm. you can't you know mess this up <laughs> so, but I would be at the tail end and what would suck is those meetings he wouldn't show up till eight and then by the time they had looked at the thousand compositing shots this that is, they had to go through, this is eight p.m. By yeah, the p.m. Way. p.m. So, so Jack has been there all, for all day, a good day. twelve hours yeah, all already, day. yeah, all day, and, and still had to sit around for reviews. And this guy comes in, and then I, I get my call finally at my desk. So like, can you come upstairs? We're gonna look at your stuff, or it's coming up. I'm like, all right. And it's it's a couple hours later. It's like ten o'clock, and I go up and so <laughs> I okay so. The, the version I had got to of, of, of the main jump was that I loved. And I was like, this is when I, even when I finished animating it after notes, everything else, I'm like, this is, this is it. Hand, like Sean's doing. Swipe, swipe my hands, dude. I'm like, yeah. e- I'm tuning my own horn because I'm like, fuck this. You know, I, if you are an animator out there and you're listening, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You know when you've nailed as much as you can. And I'm sure actors, the same thing. You've given as much performance as you can just give. There's nothing else unless they want to change it. It was version 27. So that means I've done up to this point 27 versions that, and not even just save as is like some as save as, but mostly versions I've showed as. What do you think? Did you show 27 versions? I showed, you uh, you know what, to be honest, probably half. Like a fifth or so? Yeah, I'll I'll say half or or maybe maybe three quarters of that I've shown. And 27 though, when when the guy was coming in, Mel Gibson's VFX suit, I was like, I was pretty happy. And so was was my my VFX suit. Uh, This guy, Sean Faden. And he's like, yeah, we, we're going to get this. I go up and he had notes. And I remember Sean looking at me and, 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 and in the flames, we kind of, we both were like, which is rare, but we were both like, fuck. And he kind of changed his mind. Every, and I told every, she, yeah. Every person who's ever worked, not the, I'm sorry to cut you off, but no, every person who's ever worked with a client in any business where you have a client, where you're revisioning something, it could be building a house, it could be designing plans, interior design, anything that you have a client that you have to present a product to and they have an opportunity at any point in time. Even if you say, yeah, we're three months overdue, any point in time, they can be like, I have a note. When you get that note and you think you've nailed it, you've like, I've addressed all of your notes. Every note that you've had on your 15 note list, I've addressed all of them. 
And then you get another note, and it's like, fuck, why? It's it's like the moment in the movie Waiting when they're like, we better not have no latecomers up in here. And then that fucking douche comes in at the end of the day, like 10 minutes before close, and they're flipping out in the kitchen. It feels like that internally. And you can't just, like, blow up. You have to internalize no, it. It's yeah. just like you smack your mouth a little bit, and then you're like, okay. Well, this is a, that's part of that criticism, right? I mean, we were both teachers. We know how that goes. And you, yeah. you try to tell people, you're like, you need to be able to take criticism in this industry. Absolutely. Or GTF the fuck out of the room. You, yeah. just, you, you can't. I mean, your whole career in this industry, no matter, in, in my case even, where I looked at it and go, dude, I nailed this. I Like, I nailed this. Yeah. Not, I had gotten notes internally from uh, an anim soup who worked there who was kind of like my mentor. This guy's a fucking badass animator. It's like, you're, you're, you know what, dude, this looks great. Um, but we both sat in this room and the, the VFX that we both were like, and he gave notes yep. and I said, okay, I saved out that 27. I was like, and I looked up, I go, this is, I'm keeping this for my reel. Mm-hmm. And he goes, that's fine. He was like, I would too. That's a good version. Yeah. By the time it got done, I got up to, I think it was around 45, 46 <laughs> versions. Uh, and, um, the, we ended up going back to 27, 27. Cause I reshowed it. And I told my VFX soup, you don't, this is rare. You don't really do this unless you feel comfortable with, and I had developed a friendship with the, the VFX soup. I'd been in asylum for a while and I said, Hey, I've got to, I'm going to reshow this. We're at that point. Mm-hmm. This is going to keep going or let's reshow this. This is his notes now seem to digress or whatever. And of course he, he approved 27, but I had got up to 40 fucking five versions of this thing yeah. um, before I got approved. But you know, to come full circle back to what I was going to say is that I, I finished this and I was kind of like a deep sigh of relief. And, and the second shot was really short and he approved that right away. So it, it was a continuation of the fall. Mm-hmm. They come back and they go, okay, well we need, we need cloth. <laughs> on, and it was a loin cloth, like on his junk when he jumped off and, and like, well, we need cloth. And, and, we, and I remember sitting in the room with some of the other artists. We all looked around like, okay, now we're not, DreamWorks. We don't have a CFX department. Where, who knows how to do cloth? That literally is yeah. what it was. And they, like, they were like, well, Jack, do you know Cyflex? I've heard of it. And they're like, and, and, and they I've main, seen the movie. It was yeah, used yeah, dude. The, 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 main, the main guy who uh, who does like a lot of that stuff for us, this guy Gunther, is, uh, his, his claim to fame was he was kind of like our uh, fire guy. He mm. could do some of the best Maya fire. And if anybody's ever got into that, doing good Maya fires fucking there there are tough. effects artists that are like their that whole was his job main thing. is doing fire like i do fire i do water i do hey, absolutely wisps like there he stayed employed put it this way asylum kept him strictly because that was he could do other stuff but that was his main cup and mm-hmm. they knew that and they kept him and he was one of the original asylum guys he looked at me and he said i can i can show you real fast and this was just one of those moments. I looked at him and you, you know, you hit your point, you know, yep. at the like, studio. Yeah. I was like, sink or swim. Okay, I, I was like, learn. all right, let's do it. And sure enough, I did my cloth in that and learned yeah. Cyflex. And it's actually was super cool. Um, I, I'm glad at times I don't have that here, but, uh, but there's other times here we've had that, you know, we, we do stuff, but uh, yeah. Did you get tasked sometimes with some crazy ass shit, man, um, at the smaller studios that you need to be honest don't ever, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you the truth, dude, do never, never lie. Never lie. Because you're, you're still under a time crunch and you know what? It's going to show if you lie. Yeah. And you'll get, you'll get in worse trouble. Be honest. And, but then if you think you can, in my case, if you think you can learn it fast enough, tell them that. Give me a shot. You know what? I, I you know, I think I could bang this out. It was, I think that was my exact statement. I think when Gunther said, Hey, I could show you real fast how to, how to do a setup. And I was mm-hmm. like, 
you know what, give me a chance. I'm gonna let me see if I can bang this out before you hand it to somebody else. That was what I said to him. Yeah. And I, I mean, said, How much time do I have? That's another thing about just learning and being flexible and what you can learn. Cause I we're in we're a technological industry. Absolutely. And the technology changes very quickly. Um depending on the size of the place that you're at or the type of challenges that you're trying to solve, your technology could literally be different from week to week. And and a lot of cases it is here. Week to week, something is different, something is different, something's different. Sometimes it's like, okay, I I came off of a movie, I'm going on to a new movie, everything's different. Like the only thing I know is how to play back a movie and how to how to figure out what I'm supposed to be working on. Like it can change that much. Which could be good or bad. Sure. Right? Like I, I, I think there's a piece of I know how me and you are on tech. Like, there, there's a piece of me that gets excited at times. Yeah. Like, hey, we're... That's the whole reason I'm in this industry, because I want to follow technology. Yeah. I want to push that stuff a bit. You and know? it is, and it's constantly evolving. And, it, you know, it's the same for the game industry, for those guys, too. It's constantly evolving. You know, for them, we could probably even argue it's, it's evolving even faster. Yeah. Um, I always remember um, in school, um, I did a short film, and uh, it, was, it was the only time that I had ever done audio for a short film. And uh, we had like the audio engineer, head of the audio school, like, yeah, we totally want to do audio for this. You go record Foley? Yeah, we recorded oh, Foley. We, we did, you know, echo pipes and all that stuff and um, recorded music, did all that stuff. And uh, this guy was crazy because he was like, you know, not many people know this, but audio technology travels way faster than video technology. It is consistently changing. <laughs> as far as changing? Yeah. And I was like, huh, I never thought about that. But it's uh, up to a point, it was true. It had always oh, sure. been ahead yeah, yeah, sure. of the visuals in, in many respects. And now I think it's caught up quite a bit. But but back then, like, you know, what is that, 15 years ago? Something like that? I don't know. It so made me think, though, you're talking about changing. Like, and it, it, it brought me back to games. I, I, the, a great example is I uh, when I was on Fight Club, the, fir the first thing I did out of, when I moved out here, we had, uh, and I, I might be talked about it, we... we we had a version for PS2 and a version for Xbox. And as technology changed, even from a development standpoint, on those systems that were out for a long time, we at the very almost tail end of the movie decided that the they found out the Xbox could push normal maps. Yay, normal mapping. And the, and the modelers got insanely excited. One in particular who realized we could do this, maybe. Right. Because he saw a test. They're pushing around like... 800 polygon models. Yeah, we were kind of like, low. I mean, well, we yeah, we were. It was kind of high. I mean, it wasn't super low, but it it wasn't super high either. Right. And the the concept behind normal mapping is just you can model in super high res and then wrap that high res skin around a low mesh model, mm -hmm. and it and it renders. And uh, he had saw some uh, like a like a panel, a cigarette panel or something. He came out. He's like, I think we could do this. We're looking at the timeline. We're like, what the fuck's gonna remodel? <laughs> and like, cause they had modeled it one way, let alone super high res. And he's like, I'm gonna do it in ZBrush. We're like, dude, you... and oh, we did. ZBrush. We did. I mean, ZBrush was new. Yep. Newish. And he, uh, such he, a cool program, he, though, man. He went in, and and at the very tail end of the movie, we for the Xbox remodeled everything, and those characters look amazing on the Xbox version. PS, mm. PS2 didn't have the tech to do it, but uh, on Xbox, and that was like 24th hour. He was like, I really want to try this, and we did one. Uh, the Tyler Durden character we had, he did it on, and it looked just incredible. It's fascinating because I actually read. So it's like um, evolving why the game's even being done. You're yeah. like, I, I don't think like us, we get locked into stuff and it's like, oh, we can't. Uh, change, yeah, we're stuck. we're stuck. We're, we're, we're locked on Maya version 20, sure. 2008. You know, yeah. It, 
not now, but obviously, like we we do, we get locked into a specific version because we know that version is going to work and not change. There's a lot of dependencies where we're yeah. at too. It's different than games. You know, games, our whole studio is under one fucking little roof. We're under how many roofs here? Yeah, that's interesting though, because I, I remember reading. <laughs> normal maps when they first came out and it was like it was an open gl extension like you had to have extra libraries in order to do the calls that you needed to do to make the normal mapping work unless you wrote all of the libraries yourself which would be impossible time-wise for you know the end of a game right i think i think he saw it based on a uh, if i remember right where, when he showed it to me i think it was based on um the unreal engine i think it was something epic was doing mm-hmm and we're showing off some of their shader technology, and it sort of sparked an interest in uh, this guy, Rich, and he he realized that we could probably push that on the 360. Um, and it was just, you know, and, and, I, and I've, I've looked back now, and that's kind of been the case with all these systems. You know, when these systems come out, people don't really realize. Yeah. They get them kind of early, but they're usually getting beta, version, beta versions of, like, these machines. So it's like, well, here's the 360, or here's the Xbox One, or PS4. This is the spec now. Yeah, yeah. You know, and they develop for it, and and they get it out the door for initial release. But as time goes on, like any good developer, any good anything, you just you learn like, well, what else can we do with this crazy machine? Yep. And you push it as hard as you can. Exactly. Until you break that twenty-four frame per second limit, and then you pull back. And some of the best titles on video games came out at the tail end of, well, fuck, Grand Theft Auto Five. We've talked about that pushed, and we. Dude, as far as that 360 could go, in my opinion, like I didn't even know. 15 minute do. load times it pushed so oh, hard. Oh god, yeah, dude! But I mean, it just is the look and what they get out of that. Like I didn't think it was necessarily capable of 360, but it it's impressive. The thing that's really interesting is for a long time, video games were pushing technology that the film industry was not. Because like traditionally with film, oh, absolutely, yeah, you sure. are you're creating everything at the highest res you need it to be on screen. You're creating all of that data. You're matching reality. You're not doing anything real time at all. So you're like, okay, we'll wait 48, 64 hours, however long it takes to render, you know, the shot out. And then we'll comp it for another couple of weeks. And that's kind of just how it was. And yeah, we'll sit around and wait for 30 minutes for Maya to open so that we can look at a model and change a couple of vertices and push it back out to the pipe. Like that happened. And then video games started coming out with this, like, well, we want better visual fidelity, but we don't have the memory. We don't have the graphics power. We don't have the footprint that any film has. So uh, we're going to start coming up with cheats. And their cheats were normal map. Yeah, super Vector displacement, yeah. you know, subdivision surfaces inside the engine. And uh, the lighting uh, stuff they push in games, too. Yeah, the lighting and pre-baked maps, all that yeah. stuff. All of that stuff was video games. Subdivision surfaces came out of film, but then it ended up, you know, it's starting to be used in Direct X11 stuff. But uh, the now, lines and then blurring. The, and then the video, you know, the film industry started picking up. They're like, hey, that's pretty. Hey, that's cool. You mean we can produce a, you know, a thirty thousand polygon model and make it look like a million polygon model? Cool, we're in. And started picking that stuff up. It was interesting seeing which companies are picking it up faster than other companies. Like ILM picked up some of that stuff really early on when they started developing like ambient occlusion and bent normals to do like ambient reflection mapping and stuff like that and i you know you know what it is i i I think it's crazy the ones who i think are getting it are the ones who have time to actually do that kind of stuff which and they have engineers on staff yeah but you you'll see it on uh crazy titles i uh 
like I, you know, this, this is, this is kind of out here. I don't know if I talked about it. I talked to Sean outside of the show, but I, I spoke to EA probably a it feels like a year ago now um, and got contacted uh, about crowds. Mm-hmm. Now this is EA contacting me about crowds specifically for um, their Madden franchise. And I ended up speaking with their producer and uh, you know, it, for, it started out really slow and it was just kind of like, what do you, you know, what do you think? And I, and, now, having done crowds for a long time, I look at them different. And, and anybody who's listening who plays video games or, or sports games could tell you, cr- cr- crowds in any of those games, it just ass. It's a secondary, ass, it's third, it's, it's an afterthought. All the, and, and I told them, I was really brutal honest. Yeah, yeah really like. honest. Um, and what was interesting Cover from this producer... <laughs> yeah, blur the fuck out of that. that happens in let's, spend money on ca- let's spend money on cameras so we can depth the field this. Uh, he... Uh, he had a different approach. He said, and this is a great example, like Call of Duty and all these do the same thing right now. It's, we have something that works. The gameplay works. And this sells people. Okay, so now we're, and we're going to keep making these. What do we want to keep adding to give somebody a better experience? And in his case, he mentioned tons of things. He's like, well, you know, this last time we changed up the stuff with Coach. He was telling me this stuff because I, I, I'm not a Madden guy. I never really played. I haven't played a football game dude since Tet Mobile, which yeah, shout, shout out to, shout out to actually Super Tet Mobile was the last one, which is the shit. And, he, and he's catching me up. He's like, and then we added this and this. He goes, and this next gen, he's like, I got to be honest. I want to see what we can do. He's like, the FIFA guys seem to be pushing some stuff. I want to know what we can get away with. What do you think we can do? And I, you know, I came at him from a bunch of different approaches and we talked, but it was, it was, it made me realize that these games that have been out for a long time that do a yearly kind of cycle, they're the guys who can actually push shit because they have to, mm-hmm. they have to take something they already have that works and then spend a lot of time on development coming up with new approaches to make it that much better for us. That's another technology that took off in games before film motion capture. Oh, yeah. Yeah. For a long time. Yeah, it was the first time I had to really use it. It was on games, yeah. Um, but it, it's... it's Those studios, I think... I love to think the smaller ones can, but I think unless you're in a state of, hey, I'm doing this on the side, and it's just kind of, I hope it blows up at some point, kind of thing, I think you don't necessarily have the resources to do that, but I think that, you know, the Call of Duty is the... God, I, which we're going to get into hopefully here in a bit, which is the uh, Titanfall, Titanfall. From, from Respawn. Fuck, man. This, it's just, it's mind-boggling just the stuff that they're starting to be able to do in games. And it's it's awesome to sort of see the crossover. And we might have talked about it on the show before, but I, I, I almost think it's starting to bleed both ways. I talk about, uh, or I mentioned, I think, in the past, the uh, when I was on the movie 2012, at Digital Domain, the guys who were doing the effects for anybody who's seen that movie, when L.A., we, we had the L.A. sequence. So when L.A. gets sunk into the ocean and the big cavern opens up and uh, planes are flying, John Cusack's flying through and all the shit's falling down into the... Into Buildings the, are crumbling the in the, the... Yeah, dude, the insanity expressways of, are... of downtown L.A. getting destroyed, yeah. which Didi's really good at. Mm-hmm. Um, the sims that they were pulling out of the software Houdini, which is a, which is a uh, is a software package that's used throughout the industry for for particle work. Most mostly, it's it's really well known for for destruction stuff. How it handles breaking up geometries, it's it's very very good. Um, the sims were taking days. It, it, it was unrealistic to get notes and then sit there and know you're you're paying 
a Houdini artist $75 an hour to sit there and not do anything. Yeah. It wasn't really. So they approached it from a different angle. One of the guys there said, hey, there's a physics engine uh, that the game studios use called Havoc. Um, I think Havoc actually, uh, I think Valve uses as well. I think. I think so. Um, a lot of, of studios lot use lot Havoc. And it's, it's, a, it's a dynamics-based engine. Matter of fact, we used it, I think, on the 50-cent game I worked on right before I got into film. Um, and they brought it in and did a test. The turnaround on just simulation time, like on a quick sim to get an idea of what was going to happen, dude, was like half a day. Not even half a day. They'd get it back in a couple hours, depending on what it was. And that like was game-changer at the studio as far as, my God, we can turn around a couple iterations in a potentially in a day well granted this this is the first simulator that could turn around like bullet didn't exist yet it no was, yeah this is the first simulator that could turn around hundreds of thousands of dynamic pieces intercolliding self-colliding doing all of that stuff all together yeah on the playback you could and, get back it, it would yeah it would play back in in you know minutes to hours instead of days and it kind of, you know, it was interesting for me to sit back and, and watch that because I, I was animating stuff on those sequences. So I would see it come in and I'd, I'd pull in their stuff as representation to animate around. And I, but the nerd in me was like just fascinating because I was like, do we haven't used Havoc since when I first kind of, I'm like, really? And they're like, this was the best solution. That was back when it was only available on Windows too, right? Yeah. I mean, I mean you got to be honest too, back then too, it was a, a very expensive license. Mm -hmm. I think we got Vivendi to cop up the bill for us to buy that. For the, for the second title, we're like, hey, right. or Fox, maybe, who, I can't remember who was, no, Vivendi, I think was publishing the 50 Cent game. But they, yeah, I, I just, it was awesome to see it sort of crossbreed, and I, and I wouldn't be surprised if we see in the near future, because I know from an artist standpoint, it is definitely crossbreeding now, heavily. Um, Mike Yashi, we had on from Naughty Dog, a lot of the guys he works with worked at Blue Sky, Pixar, like, it, there's a lot of crossbreeding now on these games. We've got a um, couple of, we've got a, uh, animation supervisor here who he's he's jumped around quite a bit and is now in more of an executive role but he went to blur he's like i want i want to work on a video game and he went to blur oh, he worked on a video hell. game yeah i mean if you're like, into that yeah i want to work on this video game. so he left dreamworks went on that movie went on that game did all kinds of animation have blast and then came back and now he's like he's bringing animation tools and motion capture tools from those environments that People in the film industry have never seen. Oh, yeah. And a lot of to. people at this studio have never seen because we're not a motion capture studio. Sure. You know, he's bringing those tools into the studio. And it's like, everyone's like, oh, my God. Like, they're, they're for, for, amazed. For people who don't know, Blur is the studio responsible for almost all of the most amazing cinematics you've ever seen. Matter of fact, the, the most recent one is for the... Uh, is it the newer Skyrim? Uh, was it Elder Scrolls? There's yeah, two parts the one that to I it. I haven't seen yet. Actually. There's two parts to it, and it is fucking incredible. Their stuff is really good looking, and and that's their sort of mo. Blur's mo yeah. is 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 uh, is is game cinematics, yeah. and uh, if you've seen all the way back to like Fight Club, dude, the cinematics we had, the opening cinematic is from Blur, um, mm -hmm. and they a bunch of bunch of talented guys over there. One of my really good friends who I animated with on GI Joe's over there as a supervisor now and loves it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's kind of awesome. It, it, the, the, the thing about, and I was talking today with somebody who I work with another animator, I said, you know, we were talking about backup plans hmm. and nowadays in this industry, you, you just kind of need a backup plan, Literally, specifically if you want to stay in Los Angeles, if you're open to move and you don't have families like me or Sean and, and how homes and all that kind of crap, and you're young getting in this industry, 
Hey, dude, move to Vancouver. Yeah, fuck it. It's awesome. Go, go to, to New Zealand. Go to Jump New Zealand. Off of a, go to Australia. Jump off a telephone pole. <laughs> oh, we got to talk about that. That's awesome. <laughs> no, we should wait till we get Dan on the show. Dude. Yeah, we, we'll wait. Um, yeah, we heard some great stories from New Zealand today. Uh, you know, that's easy to do. But me and Sean are in a different point in our life. And God forbid we left. We lost any more Nerdtastic members. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> I mean, uh, even that's just, my backup plan. Though. Like the, the just insecurity of going to a place and not knowing how long you're going to be working there. After being in a studio like DreamWorks, where we've been here for a very long time. Hey, you're here 10. I'm almost on five. Yeah. And it's it's kind of like we're kind of at that point where like, how long is this? Really how can you ride this last? out? That, yeah. dude, that's where I'm at, man. I Because you got for people who don't know, I mean, we talk about it multiple shows studios out here are dropping like fl- visual effects studios and animation are dropping like flies yeah. and they're dropping like flies even in vancouver too and uh uh you know our own jason carter and they're popping up like nut sauce in asia yeah oh god it's it's know. uh we're going the way of the uh, nike sweatshop <laughs> i mean that's the best that's the best way to put it and uh to sit back at a studio where you you feel safe but all your friends dude are losing their job around you is scary shit yeah I mean, it's it's just literally scary, and I and I do everything I can nowadays to try to get my friends who are out there still jobs in here because I feel like we're in the safe zone. For now. For yeah. now. For now. Yeah, uh, you know, I feel like we're in a safe seems. we're in a safe zone, and and, and, and we've talked about it in the past, but I that's a kind of a difference between animation and visual effects is animated studios to stay afloat, they have to have another product lined up to do. And that's no different than visual effects. Mm-hmm. The difference is, is we don't need to bid with anybody else. We just need right. a, We just need decent stories. Well, the other, we, you know, we need the movie idea. The other difference is where that studio is expecting one, maybe two projects to be available. The visual effects studios are scrambling to have many because they're any. short time. They don't pay a lot now. They don't pay much because everyone's underbidding everyone else, and the technology's gotten to the point where no one wants to pay a lot. No, and they know it. Yeah. And that's the worst part about and, it. Uh, and, and so, like, in an animation studio, a feature film animation studio, if one of those shows goes away, there's probably 500 jobs in Jeopardy right there. Oh, easily. Um, and that's that's just the way it is. Yeah, so it's they, like, yeah it's, it's, you know, it's crazy. And, I, and, yeah, I don't want to beat a dead horse. We talk about that all the time. And that's, you know, but I like to think we're honest on the show. and. Yeah. And not not scare anybody, and and uh, I I still think it's a it's God it's amazing. I I still feel like even as long as I've been doing it, that I I'm still getting to live kind of my dream that I want to do. I'm sure even at Sean's worst time, you can still we can all take a step back sometimes and go, that's still pretty fucking cool. We get to do what we yeah. Can I do. could have been I don't know shoveling garbage or something. <laughs> Who knows what I could have been doing? I probably would still be teaching though if I wasn't at the studio. I would I have been I, teaching for 10 years, and day? I'd be gruff. This is a good one. And be me, like, man, you students are lazy. Me, it, would me, be, it would be awful. Let me change. <laughs> let, on that note, what would you be doing if you weren't doing this? Like, if, if I made a different life choice? Yeah. Like, way early on? I guess. I mean, go I, either way. Well, you know. Well, that's a really good question. I would probably... I don't know. Isn't it crazy? I don't know. I, I always thought that if I if I were to redo it, I may go back to school and study some form of science and actually like 
be a scientist. Be a scientist Literally somewhere. be a scientist. I can see you doing that with a lab coat. I can see you with a lab coat. I don't, <laughs> I don't know, know what the fuck you're doing. No, 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 no. You're wearing the lab coat. I probably would literally. We're getting an episode. I'd, We're I'd get the second time in the lab coat for sure. We're going to do a nurse-tastic live with Sean in a lab coat but, uh, just because it seems fitting. Something that actually seems really interesting now is toy making. With the ability to sculpt in the computer, with the ability to print that stuff out 3D as a prototype, I feel like making toys would be a really fun hobby slash side business now it's just interesting to cool me. to me yeah is that where you're getting into the zbrush stuff or the zbrush stuff because you're like i'm gonna model some shit now. yeah that i mean i've always liked sculpting when i was a when i was in high school i used to make my own visual effects makeup on you know in latex and all that good stuff and i ruined multiple ovens and and mixers and all that stuff and destroyed yeah, many many maker. bowls um, and I just really like that sculpting part of the process. And uh, now that I can sculpt digitally and not you know, fuck everything up after working for a week on it, it's uh, it's just really kind of freeing after all of the stuff that I do at work. It's right. a completely different mindset and very much more organic and kind of creative. It, it's it's more it's like 80% creativity and 20% technical technical as opposed to this job, which is like. 70% technical and 30% creative I feel like a lot of the times at least in the in the role that I'm in so uh yeah it's it just seems interesting to me and I've had a teacher or two before who did they moonlighted as toy makers they would design toys no for companies yeah and they said that it was the most fun job they've ever had making toys that sounds fun so fucking santa claus man yeah, this is awesome, dude. I mean, it's just crazy. That's just a, that's another job that you I walk mean, around imagine, saying, "I'm a toy maker." What do you put up? yourself in the shoes of the people that envisioned that gigantic battleship GI Joe toy? Like they must have oh, just absolutely. lost their shit. I watched I I watched a show a long time ago that it was about the uh, the uh, like something. It was either the coolest places to work or the the coolest companies or the coolest like uh um workplaces, mm-hmm. and one of them. Was a, a a a kind of a think a, like a, a a toy a a toy maker think tank like they they designed and came up with ideas for like all everything that's not Mattel. I felt like this company's their offices were insane hmm. and their creative meetings were insane. They would come up with a product. One of the things was like they'd go in this room and like they'd have tons of fucking these huge ass balls that would have like just crazy words on them, and they'd be like. All right, go and they'd all fucking chuck them around the room. Whatever like word came across, right. he was like, I don't know, come up with something creative off that word. Or like one of the things would be like up in the, it was this huge warehouse and there there was like a spaceship up in one corner. You just go up and sit and think. And they had all these create. What I loved about it was like they had all these crazy cool creative meetings, which was like these crazy think tank style meetings, yeah. which is something I'm always fascinated with the, the word think tank. I always think that's kind of neat to sit in a room and just bounce ideas off each other. But no, that'd be awesome, dude. I I could. You'd have to wear the lab coat. I could, yeah, I could still run a lab coat, making some toys. You would make that work. <laughs> you'd, you'd make a lab coat work. I, I, my, my, my thought process changed a lot, dude. I, I was so dead set back in the day. I wanted to be an architect. So for so long as a kid, uh, and that that bubble kept bursting over the years as I talked to people who did it, who it just wasn't the uh, the number of Frank Lloyd Wrights and Frank Geary's dude are about one in a billion. Um, as it turns out, which are guys who, and I, and I bring them up as guys who were able to do their own creative designs. Right. Um, it, it's usually guys developing apartment complexes and, 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 and uh, b- 
double checking plans for like renovation. So it was nothing exciting. Like I thought it would be, um, I gotta be honest, you know, my, we talk about this now. I love doing this. Yeah. Podcast is fun. I love doing the podcast. I lo- I'm fascinated right now. And I have been for a few years, YouTube and, and what those guys, sometimes kids who, uh, who, who just do that. They do commentaries or they just, this is my life or shorts, just shorts, a studio that does. When we talked about this, like which would be amazing. I think that, that kind of thing, man, would be, if it all ended tomorrow, dude, I would love to think I could find a way to do that. And I, and it's part of it too, as I was back to that, that Woody Gamertag guy on YouTube, I, his story kind of was kind of an inspirational thing. Not that I was going to do that, but he was an engineer at Cisco making, I'm sure he was making hundred K plus and decided that this YouTube thing's kind of cool. And I'm going to take a sabbatical. I'm going to do this for 60 days. Use all my vacation. I'm going to see if I can make a living. And he did. Turns out he could. And he did. And he's living that dream now. You know, he's home with his family all the time. He gets a, he gets to travel to event stuff that I, we do now, but it's all out of our pocket. Just, he yeah, gets, you know, yeah. he gets to go to now. And I, I would love to think like, you know, this show, or even if it was just me, like I would get an opportunity to go do these things. I love, I'm, I'm big on the friends thing on, on anything I want to do. I I'd love to think I me and Sean could go do something. I get me, Sean and Josh to go do something. And, and, uh, you know, and this would be a great example of like being able to go to all these shows all over, go to packs on both coasts, be able to go to crazy ass Tokyo game shows, yeah. like that kind of stuff and like record and bring it to you guys live and, 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 and pursue that. That to me would be the, at this point in my life would just be the ultimate dream. Well, you are the showbiz. I love it. Uh, There's just something to it that I love. There, well, there is a little there. So there is that little desire, I guess, that hunger that we have in the industry that we're in where the positions that we hold our creativity is handed down to us right yes, like absolutely. it is very much like we are we are producing someone else's vision the drones right? and it doesn't it doesn't always line up with no. our vision even for the same work we're just like i feel like this would be right for this part and they're like nope we're doing this and it, it's it can and you be, get that you get that you've and signed cool. on yeah you've signed yeah. on that I'm not the director yeah I didn't write that I don't I don't even work in the story department so I I can't even input there right but we're in a creative field we work in a visual media we have that desire to produce that creatively and have the control of it right to say if I if if I was running this shit I would do that and then this uh, the other thing it'd be amazing we'd and we'd end rich. up we'd end up putting out you know Pacific Rim or something yeah, like it yeah. you know and it's that's the kind of thing that that's where that hunger is. It's like, we know we're doing it, but we're not doing exactly what we want exactly the way that we want to most of the and time. I, and I, hey, I'll be honest. I'm sure Shaq could attest to, to this. I'm sure even if we decided to do this, it, it might not be any better than, no, what, than the drugs. It would probably be a hundred times more work <laughs> yeah. and still fucking suck. Half the time. No, and I, and I think about that, and I and listening to the the Woody guy talking about, he says he works more now mm-hmm. doing this stuff than he did when he was at Cisco on his normal kind yeah. of job, and, and, then, and that would be it. But there's something to that that I think. But God, there's, dude, I, I would just be so a, excited. There is a pride that comes with. Oh God, it's your you own it. Yeah. If it's if it fails, that's on you. This is my shit, and I King love, Kong ain't got nothing on exactly. me. Exactly. 
And I and I'm the type of person <laughs> I love being put in sink or swim situations. I love that. Mm-hmm. I me as a person, everybody has their own thing. Me as a person, I have found through the course of my life when I'm hit with adversity is when I rise to like the best of me and whatever ability that might be, I find a way to, to, to finish that. And that that's always worked the best for me. And it sucks on the same note. I don't, I don't want to be forced into the, the, that there's something to that to where I don't like being forced into that. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody wants you want to be able to choose to do oh, that. God, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think moving forward in life, that's a kind of direction I want to go. And, and, the, I, yeah. You get yourself into situations where you, you have the challenge, but you're really pushing to find the motivation. And that's, that's when it gets, that's when it feels the most like work. And I, and I relate back to when I first moved down here, that to me was a sink or swim. I had no job. I had no nothing. I had $1,200 to my name. Sleeping on your buddy's couch. Yeah, dude. It's like, but then the, the sinking kept happening and it's kind of like, fuck, do I want to put myself like today? If I said to Sean, I was like, you know what? Fuck this nerdtastic is going big and i'm gonna i'm gonna do i'm gonna do youtube all day and then we're gonna do a couple shows during the week even if i do it and get you get with you how much vacation you got yeah exactly (laughs) i'm shawnee you in or not we're gonna we're gonna take this school tour you know whatever we're gonna see how it works and we're gonna we're gonna finesse this to get it to where we want to be what do you think sean would get real and probably say you let me know how it works out but i'll help you any can i can and i go okay and i do it am i gonna do that no no, Call me when it's a done deal. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Am I am I gonna put myself in that? No. Um, but I like to think about it, and I still do. I, I like you know, and I in I think moving forward with the show, we all like doing it, and I want to see where we can take it. I want to see what we can do, and I think the school yeah. thing moving forward is is a good opportunity, and taking it kind of live to, to people is kind of cool. And I think the the one thing that would end up happening, which we we so. Jack and I constantly talk about when we hear people on the radio or on other podcasts talking about things that they they don't know about. Uh, And the entertainment industry is one of those things where unless you're in it, you really kind of don't know a lot about it. A lot of guesstimating. Yeah, it's a lot of guesses and it's a lot of hole and hums. Um, We would turn into those people because we would have left the industry that we knew really well, but it would evolve beyond what we know. And we'd have we'd have better insights, but we would eventually be those guys. You think so? I think we know. Here's the deal. I I think we know enough people. I think we do enough to, research, to, yes, and we can to, talk because we could still we get know those enough people, people exactly. onto the show. We know enough people yeah. to keep in the loop. And that's, but but it would happen. There would come a point where oh, we sure. would do that, and we, and other people would be like, "What the fuck." I feel yeah. like to some extent I do that with video games because I was like, "Well, I worked on video games for a while," but then you know that was 2003. Yeah. Yeah. 10 fucking years ago i did shit's changed i'm sure some hasn't but but i i still talk about it because i still know enough people who i am in contact with and i go to e3 every year and i right. i uh i purposely the general processes have not changed significantly no no so those are pretty temple but i feel like here's the deal if if we lost that we'd gain something else i feel like sure, yeah. just the nature of the kind Groupies. of people we are yeah exactly <laughs> the kind of people we are we're constantly wanting to learn that stuff. Yeah. Like, you know, that's, that's with me. Like I, I, you know, the, the Jack of all trades master of none is, is I found as, as me as a person being that has behooved me in, in life and not even just life, my, my, my job, my jobs I've had over the years, because it's all, it's all, it's all a learning experience. And it allows me to be able to walk into a room, walk into an interview, walk into the show and, and ch- chime in. How was that? Mm-hmm. 
Um, sometimes, sometimes accurately, sometimes not as accurately, but I, but I know enough about it to be able to talk about it. And I, and I feel like that's where we would be. I feel like we could still have the conversation where we wouldn't sound stupid because mm-hmm. we've done it. So you have the backbone, but you're right. We wouldn't be here day in and day out doing right. shot work. I, I feel like that's part of the draw to, to this type of job is we like to learn and our kind of part of our career is learning constantly new ways to do stuff better faster better looking you know and that's part of it that keeps it interesting if we're just and and i'm we're kind of i'm kind of in a state that i don't feel like i'm pushing myself to learn anything new over the past year or so and I feel stagnant. And you're I'm big like, on that. I'm super you're, big you're on big. that. Like, you're Which the guy who sits like, on the couch on go... Saturday and, and, and watches tutorials on your laptop. Yeah. That's so that, I mean, that's why I'm like, I want to learn ZBrush. Let's do this thing. Yeah, now. Let yeah. me go figure out Mudbox. Let me, yeah, I'm a software junkie. I want to learn stuff. Just... Well, and it's also the, the creative outlets we talk about too. Like, you know, what we do is creative, but like creative people need more than just like being the drones when we're here at work like yeah. you need the outlet and like for me it's this kind of stuff it's 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 doing the podcast and it's uh it's thinking about doing youtube and uh i i just last night last got back into live streaming on twitch uh playing with friends and stuff and, and talking through that like i that's the kind of stuff i'm finding that's kind of a cool creative outlet in my life that's absolutely insane right now um but uh yeah i mean to 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 digress Let's change subjects. Let's talk about what do you want to talk about first? We're at we're at the fifty six minute we're mark. We're at the fifty six minute mark. Well, let's let's we gotta change about topic that. completely, and then we're gonna come back to some game stuff because there was some cool game stuff. But let's talk about the video I sent you today, dude. Oh my With god! The, I'm oh. pretty sure it's the same guys, oh the same Russian guys who climbed to the top of. The pyramids, if anybody hadn't seen those videos, there were a group of Russian guys who climbed to the top, spent the night, waited for security, and they climbed to the top of the pyramids. This video I sent Sean is from the second tallest building in the world that's currently in, in development Shanghai. in Shanghai. It's not yeah. even finished built yet. Fucking um, building. Good They job. break in um, after hours at night, and they fucking climb to the top. Yeah. And abandoned... And- Still under construction building. And when we mean top, you most people might think, well, they got up to the roof and they, you know, that's insanity. It's the Let's, second tallest, se- second tallest building in the world. Note, this is also on Facebook. I posted this on Facebook. So if you go to our Nerdtastic and 3D Facebook page, which all your friends like it, we post. I post a lot of stuff on there all day. Really cool stuff that we end up talking about in the show that I want you guys to be able to see. Um, matter of fact, I. I hate myself, and Sean knows this, of only posting stuff that I think is really fucking cool. Like, I don't, I hate bullshit. I hate when people send me links of bullshit. Um, what's the name of the building, Sean? It is the... Nakatomi Center? Yeah, <laughs> Nakatomi Tower. It's the Shanghai okay, Tower. Okay, Shanghai Tower. But it is uh, 632 meters, uh, 2,074 feet tall. And that... Does not include the crane. Does that include the crane? That the, okay. It doesn't include the crane that's at the top so of it. The top of the tower. It. They get up there and they look at each other and the guy goes, how did they in Russian? And he points at it and they're like, fuck it. They do this. They if climb you can see me on the video feed. to the fucking top of the crane on top of the second world's tallest, but which I'm guessing the the size difference from the world's tallest might be close to where they were at the top of the crane. I mean, it could be It close. can't be that far off. I mean, we could it's do my the, guess. We, we can probably it. figure it out. Um, 
No, here's where it gets sick. They have no safety harnesses at all. They also have no parachutes. So I was watching, the Jack had sent me the video. I'm watching it. And, and he like hadn't that. seen my reaction. And either. I'm watching it. I'm like, oh, they got backpacks on. Okay, this is kind of cool. And I saw him walking up and I'm like, wow, this is, this is pretty intense. And you sent me a text going, oh, I said, they're going to parachute yeah, up. Because I knew I'm you like hadn't got there yet. Third of the way through the video, I'm like, oh, they're going to they're gonna base friends. jump. I got, I got friends, friends. <laughs> who used to, they used to base jump. They'd walk, they'd run up. It's and funny, I, they, they would run up the tower and everyone's like, there were a group of people that did this a lot. There, there are actually a lot of people out there that base jump off of buildings. And uh, they're in which groups. is illegal, which it's, is illegal, it's mind completely you. illegal. You can't do this. They're in groups. They they go up in packs and they jump off of buildings and they parachute down to the ground. And the cops catch wind of this through the internet or tweets or however they're trying to organize themselves. And they will be like up on the ledge and the cops will burst through the roof and be like, "Freeze, everybody!" And they'll jump off the building. So it's like, very, as it's the like cops Tron. Are coming. It's yeah. like the latest Tron update, like yeah, the same kind of thing. It's like that. But these guys, like Jack, you know, sent me a message saying. Oh, no, no, those aren't, I don't think those are backpacks, or I don't think those are parachutes. Because I had realized, too, he hadn't seen yet everything. No, no, no. And, and so then I started freaking out. Like, I got super anxious, not, super nervous. They're just backpacks. I'm, I'm afraid of heights. I'll admit As it. As am I. It's terrifying. These guys have GoPros on their head, and they're just... They're just climbing up a crane. No, no safety. Nothing. No safety. And anything. This crane is at like a good thirty degree incline, maybe like higher. They're suits because yeah. they had their faces covered and shit. Yeah, but they're they're standing <laughs> on top. Like they're not squatting. They're not holding on. They're standing upright on top of the top of the tippy top of the crane, the, looking around like hey, the oh, dudes. The buddy's cool. holding him. Okay, so the guy with the GoPro who's standing on top is looking down at his friend who's just sitting on the top of the crane, holding his ankle. By one one fucking hand, at the top of this, uh, this fucking second world's tallest building. So the the uh, tallest building, which is uh, Burj, it's in Dubai. Isn't Mafia it? in Dubai is two thousand seven hundred and seventeen feet, which is about <laughs> seven hundred feet. No, about six hundred and thirty ish feet taller than the building that they were on. Okay, minus whatever the crane height minus was. Minus whatever which, the crane height was. Which, which is probably was a good... fucking tall as hell, dude. Yeah. They were up that for a long time yeah. too. It's probably a good twenty. Because they stopped more, halfway up and looked down. I'm like, oh so. god, you're losing me. And it, it, when we say crane, I, I, I'm trying to think how to express how small this this piece was they climbed up on. It's it's kind of similar to if you guys have ever seen the video, and I think I posted on the Facebook page as well. The the cell phone tower repairmen who have to change the lights at the top of cell phone towers that planes run into could run into. Yeah. Nobody realizes those manually have to be changed. And guys, climb that fucking insanely small tower. And that'll make you sick. This takes it to another level because the guys on that, those towers, have they have safety lines they keep attaching. The, matter of fact, the only parts I get sick on is when he undoes his safety belt so to climb to the on. next level yeah. and then strap back on. These guys have nothing. nothing. They're like in sweatsuits with these They're fucking backpacks. Kind of stupid. But... I mean, the footage they got is ridiculous. They're standing at the top of this thing, looking down at a gigantic layer of clouds. And, and a only of, two other buildings like, that yeah, kind of stick up at that height. Two buildings poke up through those clouds. That aren't even remotely close to this building's height, right. mind you. Like, they were still way below. I uh, When I watched it, I hit a point where my, my hands started sweating so much, I, I, I found myself rubbing on my pants, but I kept rubbing. Cause my, I get anxiety. My anxiety kept flaring up and I, and I had to keep looking away and I kept doing the, uh, okay, 
Oh God. And at the same time, I was showing it to two other guys next to me. David, who sits next to me, slid his chair all the way back in our, our cube spaces to the very back. And he's looking at me. He's he, like, he was getting worried. He kept moving away from the screen. He's like, I can't, I can't be close. He had to rivet himself to the back of the cube so that his chair wouldn't move any farther. And as Sean Just kept to know watching, he couldn't fall. The, the text started coming in slower. And then kind of faster from going, okay, okay oh my fuck. God. Oh, but, my God. And then he just got up and walked to my desk and stared at me. He's like, I, I couldn't be at my desk. I, I, had, I, I had, had to get out of my chair and walk around. I had to move because I was so pent up. Like, I had an adrenaline rush watching these is guys. Is it not insane to you? This is what blew me away after all of us in the cube and you and everything else, that you can watch something. And, and it's not really movies. Effective. There's something in movies where I think we get disconnected. Yeah. But when knowing you see it's a real, YouTube video, knowing it's, it's real, real, and watching it has a direct God physical bless. response from your body. It's crazy. And you were, yeah. And I, and I, I, I was watching sweating. Oh, I dude. was nervous. I was breathing heavy. I had an adrenaline rush watching these guys do this. Oh, but not a of, fun one. No. And it was out of my fear for them. It wasn't like, I, it's, it was, it's nuts. It's a yeah, kind I, of, I, I can't, I can't explain. It's a kind I can't of empathy that you can't. Explain. I would love to know. And guys, post on the post on the Facebook page, dude, under that link for the guys who I know listen religiously. Watch that, and I want to know your guys' reaction. Some of you who are disconnected, maybe. Uh, do we have anybody listening? Um, Not right now. Sense. No, that's weird. I don't know why. Is it is it streaming? Should be. I don't think it is. Um, <laughs> okay. I don't. I don't see the little meter going. Is it? Is it? Uh, is it live? Yeah, I don't know. Um, but the, uh, yeah, I want to know what, I want to know what you guys think. I want to know if, 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 the kind of feeling you get, like, I'm like me and Sean, clearly we're both scared of heights. So it hits us completely different, but like my buddy, Dan, who sits next to me, he showed us videos from New Zealand of him doing crazy ass shit when he was younger. And I noticed he didn't really move as much. He was kind of like, well, fuck, that's crazy. But like the reaction me and David got were, was pure fucking anxiety. Like it just hit us in a way that was retarded um yeah i just was nuts dude I, it's just, I, i'm fascinated with how that that made yeah. my body feel from just a video i even in watching ghost protocol when uh oh when tom yeah when tom cruise is out on the building like that causes anxiety and he me. really did it well yeah but he's got he's all got kinds safety of lines safety and lines and stuff but, but at that height alone got to me i'm like okay, yeah that's nutty okay yeah. i mean dude, and that that was you're worth you're worth what maybe a billion or some shit what right. are you doing that you was that guys. was contained and controlled and in an environment where a lot of people were watching a lot of people's backs and you know if some catastrophe happened it's because a lot of people fucked something up together sure, sure. It's, it's so a it's, lot of safety lines. It's, yeah. it's as safe as it can be to be to do a risky stunt and that scares you so like seeing these people who are just two people sure and who knows if anyone else knows they're doing this at the time are up at the top of the building of their own yeah that's fruition. the thing who knows i mean they were clearly russian and had traveled there and i maybe not maybe it was them just them too they knew the building and were yeah. kind of like and they, they they showed in the video they scattered where the security booth was and they came back and they scaled at a certain point and clearly illegal which scares me more that they were in that fucking country because God knows if they had got caught. Nah. Which I don't know. The video might can say if they did. Might have gotten caned. Fucking caned and locked in one of those secret prisons. And they've got them. masks on, right? So you can't see their faces. They're, yeah. They're, they're being anonymous because they know they're And you know, the thing is, too, video. is I, they weren't base jumping. No. They weren't, you know, they, they for all we know, they climbed back down and got the fuck out of there. I no would have felt off. so much better if Sean they did that. jumped like, off jump the off. building and 
parachuted down. Because they had to climb back down. Yes. God, I got Dear to God. <laughs> just, so just, rough. I get it. A lot of the building was, was cement stairs that were clearly there. I get it. And that probably took them forever just in stairs. But the shit we're talking about, dude, where they climbed up the <laughs> that fucking crane. Ah, just they to had climb to be, down. They had to be fit money. because they did literally have to walk all the way up to the top of the building. They probably how camped many, for a while. How many floors is this? Did it say? I, no, it doesn't say, but they had to walk all the way up to the top of the building. And then they climbed the crane. And they were climbing a crane. Well, and the all crane. the roof shit, too. There was a lot yeah. of other stuff yeah, they there had was, to climb. There were ladders that they had to climb. Yeah, through the ladders, there was a lot like, of Multiple stuff. stories. So they were climbing ladders for a good... I don't know. Long ass time. Ten stories, probably. These look kind of American Ninja Warrior esque body yeah, type. Yeah, but dude. I mean that. Yeah, that's exhausting. Ah, uh, it just was fucking nutty. So that was cool. I got sent out today. Mm-hmm. Um, something else I sent out today, and I and I knew about this from another YouTube video, is that about a week ago, EA invited the, all the big YouTubers. And some some MLG guys and just guys who are very much into gaming and 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 in the know um, out to uh, uh, Respawn Studios, I think it was either there or the Ply office of EA um, to show them uh, Titanfall and to let them play different multiplayer style maps mm-hmm. and to give them sorry. But they Got signed it. an NDA and they said that they they basically in these kind of events they put they let them record but they put a clamp on when they can post right. And the freeze came out today. And there was a just a barrage from everybody from IGN down to a bunch of big YouTubers posting their game footage of uh, Titanfall, which is uh, basically from Respawn Entertainment, who were the guys who originally started Infinity Ward from Call of Duty. And then when all the big lawsuits happened and those guys got let go, they created this. And this game looks fucking sick. From I saw TDM... I saw domination style gameplay, and I saw uh, mech, mech on mech, which is just like another like mech TDM where they right. you're, you're in the mech the whole time. And uh, I I I don't know. It look it, we were talking about it at lunch. It looked like a combination of Call of Duty meets Prince of Persia meets Mech Warrior Five, all in, 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 in Halo, <laughs> like all wrapped Mirror, into one yeah, game. Mirror's Edge and Halo. Fuck um, man. And Star Wars because there's jetpacks. I don't know. But the one thing that I will comment on is, like, I'm not very much a first-person shooter guy anymore. Um, but the thing that I notice about this game is when you play first-person shooters, there's a little bit of delay, lag, inner animation, kind of little bits and stuff like that when you're zooming in through your scope or whatever and coming back out. This game felt so fluid yeah, in all of its motion and just jumping... You're going, you, you're hopping. Because there are animations. There's some stock animations. I mean, like, like I think you're going to go into, Sean. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, but just the way that these guys were navigating the map, you could completely either confuse yourself or confuse the enemy in multiple directions. It's, it's, it was pretty, it's pretty impressive. I did notice there were a couple of little glitchy bits where it's like the guy was like trying over and over and over again to like hook up on a wall so sure, he could sure. start doing the parkour. But, um, just you know, jumping up and then waiting to the last second to use your jetpacks. You can get that boost to get to the next building, and then you parkour up the wall, and Fuck then you hop sick. on the roof, and then you hop through a little gap between the two walls, and then you, you know, climb down a little bit, and then get through a window, and then you crouch up on top 
of the wall. Like you can actually hop up onto the wall and stick there and angle yourself. So when enemies come through a doorway, you're like Spider-Man. You, like. Yeah, you're above their head height, and they will run right underneath you and not even know it's. It's. Pretty, I think the movement, like what you're saying about like the the how quick everything felt. Like yeah. what I love, and, and and I think anybody who plays like the Call of Duty franchise will tell you one of the reasons they keep going to it maybe instead of like a battlefield or something is is the movement yeah. call of duty has a certain kind of movement that it's fast it's fast it's a run and gun kind of scenario and unless then, you're trying to jump it's fast. sure this had th- this looked like it had that this, Clearly, in, it this incorporates who, all of that oh, but you can jump at the same speed that you can do run all off of walls. the other shit. yeah and like and, and and use that to get to certain advantage points faster than other ways um but then past that they add in this they add in this whole another mech thing ability I, yeah another thing i want to point out is like the other thing that for some reason this stood out to me the zooming like when you when you aim zoom was very quick and snappy fast, yeah. you zoom in and you zoom out you zoom in and you zoom out and it's yeah, really I couldn't quick tell if that's like a if, if and that's it, just how all the weapons are if that they did a perk system like they had yeah, taken from their other stuff i don't or, know but like you know in playing call of duty and battlefield and all that stuff if you're gonna zoom in or use a scope or whatever you have to wait for that animation of the gun to come up and you're dealing with that but in this game it felt like that wasn't there it was just like i'm zoomed in i'm not i'm zoomed in I'm not. it felt very halo-esque in that way yeah, the, the jumping. There, there's moments when you're in your tight, which is the mech, um, that you 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 comes down after a certain amount of time that you can jump in, or he just fucking runs around. Yep. And uh, and 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 shoot shit. But like when you're in your tight and you're getting ready to be destroyed, you eject. And when you eject, that's where I was like, oh, this is Halo. Yeah. I mean, it throws you to the top of the map, um, which is awesome. And then you sort of come down. And what's cool is you still have your jet thing. And I watched one of the uh, the IGN videos. Really cool. It's up on Facebook. It's it's the best of moments of a lot of these clips. And it was great because it was a dude fighting another mech. The other guy won. He ejects. He goes to the top of the thing, but he, he floats down and then and then fucking secondary uh does his booster at the right second, jumps on top of that dude's mech, and there's these great animations where they you rip the fucking top off and you're destroying the mech. Yep. I was like, ah, this is so fucking cool. Uh because the animation looks great. The animations of like you getting into the mech, uh when you when you're in your mech uh your titan and see little guys you'd be like they call pilots on the ground you could punch them you can grab them and like dismember them like mm-hmm. you could do very cool stuff uh and then just the fact you can you go from having these one-on-one first person shooter moments of player on player to now you're in titans and all of a sudden now you're in this like titan on titan but you're all in the same environment so it's yeah. like you, you'll look down and see two titans who are Clearly, are trying to one on one each other. Titans are tough, man. It it, it takes a lot to put them down. It takes a long, a long time for one on one Titan battle to go down. And they have all these different abilities, which were awesome. The one I, the one I loved in particular is you, you throw up a shield that will catch the bullets, catch bullets. from the other mech, yep. and then throw them back at at, yeah. at, at the mech. And, and, I'm then, like, and you can pull up your retarded. shield to catch the bullets that their shield yeah. is thrown back at you. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's, 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 it's kind of nutty, dude. Uh, very very fast paced game. Yes, I. So as I was listening to, to and those games, confused the fuck out of me. And there's a lot going on in this one. There's oh, yeah. no doubt, I, and I'm sure the learning curve. I, I go, I go, I go back to listening to. Uh, so how I knew about the the EA thing is is Woody had posted a thing that they flew him out uh, mm. to do it, and and he said I can't talk about it now, but I'll post another video, whatever else. So the podcast he put out, I was listening to. He talked about specifically 
he's like, I, this is before today. So maybe he has a video and now I haven't seen, but he said, uh, they wanted him to talk about the podcast. The other guys were like, dude, you got to talk Titanfall. Talk about it. He goes, I can't really talk about much, but he goes, this might be the COD killer. Because his big thing for years has wow. been, what's actually going to be a Call of Duty killer? What's going to maybe surpass numbers or gameplay? He's like, this is it. He's like, one thing I can tell you, though, is like, for most first-person shooters or anybody who's ever played, and the example he uses is great, is I've been doing this a long time, so Call of Duty, I feel really comfortable, and I get in, I could play. He goes, but say I want to play Team Fortress 2. Oh, and I jump on the it. PC. If he goes, if I jump on now, these guys have been playing six years, seven years. He goes, I'm going to get wrecked. I jump into Halo. Those guys are going to destroy me. And he's even Call of Duty. He's like, if I if I played Octop Scumpy, who's a who's an MLG pro, he go and he he argued maybe the best who's playing. If we play to a hundred, I might kill him fifteen times, and it, and he'll get eighty five. And he goes, that's just because it's a built in Call of Duty kind of thing where there is some kind of luck in there i can i can maybe get him he goes this game though is going to be the ultimate learning curve of if you're not in at the get-go and play it and try to learn it the stuff that's going to come out of this game and how you can play this game yeah. is just going to mind boggle anybody who tries to play it later he goes the guy who yeah. picks it up a year later six months later it's going to suck because they're they're it, it just you're going to get annihilated in ways you didn't know was possible. Just the kind of crazy ways that you can navigate oh the map alone, and everyone knows that when you get a game like this, you need to learn the maps. Right? There oh, are right people away. that scout the maps before they ever even ever play, play the game, yeah. so that they have the advantage against people that are starting out fresh and don't know where to go, don't know what to look for, don't know the hiding spots. This is going to be one of those games where you're constantly finding another way. To get from point oh, A to dude, B. just the run routes, and and you know it's and I didn't see all the weapons. There's tons of and it's all futuristic weapons, um, mm -hmm. like Halo. So it'll be a lot of. I saw some cool ones being shot that I was like, oh, that looks awesome. <laughs> there was a pistol that looked like uh, was, one of the videos. It looked like a tracking pistol. He was getting headshots with that would like shoot out multiples, but it would come back in on a target. Oh, I didn't see that one. Oh, That's yeah. crazy. Uh, I think IGN video. There's a guy who starts shooting. And I'm like, what the fuck's that? <laughs> um, I watched another video that was, was this guy sniping. All the bullets go right back to the same direction. <laughs> the sniper rifles look like a uh, normal sniper rifle, but it looked cool what he was doing. Um, it looks like all your secondaries come with like this big fucking, either a big heavy gun to shoot at the, it all look like your secondaries are designed, or maybe it's not a secondary, but it's a, th a third gun that you carry designed to go after a mech if you're on your foot, on mm -hmm. foot. Either a big heavy gun that I saw him shoot him with, or they had these crazy ass like RPGs that they could fucking throw in, dude, to shoot at the, uh, the Titans. Uh, as as clearly as the defense, there was crazy grenades that like put out electric fields. I don't even know what the hell yeah, those did. Um, I, I hadn't been excited about something different in a first person shooter maybe since Gears of War, and I and I got into that for a while. Um, and, and for me, that's a big deal considering I'm just a fucking Call of Duty junkie. Um, Oh, is this an Xbox One PS4 platform? This isn't. Game? No, this is an Xbox One PC. They dicked PlayStation oh, all together, yeah. dude. So like, PlayStation right now has all the hype, and they they they're talking their big game is the game system. I, dude, this is gonna put a serious well, hurt. I think. Titanfall. Yeah, this is yeah. this is some serious shit, dude. It's it is. Uh, so the video that you it sent me, clean. were they playing PC or were they playing Xbox? Because it felt like a PC. Oh, I don't know. That's a good question. Me. I, I I don't know. I, do you remember seeing? I, I should read I back on the videos. I, I didn't guys, I, and, I, it, and I posted I posted three videos on on uh, on uh, YouTube, uh, Facebook. Sorry. So if you go to Facebook, uh, I posted three of them. 
which uh, actually I'd take credit for somebody who on our, uh, the clan I play with at Call of Duty had posted on our Facebook page. Uh, but the IGN one is just, I, I love because it's just like, it's like all these crazy moments of what guys are doing. Yeah. That's, which are fi- that's like one getting watch. ejected out. He jumps into another guy's like, or somebody's on top of his Titan shoot, like pulling the top off and trying to shoot it. He jumps out of his Titan, which flings him out. 180's back and is shooting the guy on top of his Titan. Kills him. Jumps back in his Titan and just keeps sort of running. Of I'm course, like, this is fucking, that's possible. This is so cool. So I, I got excited about that. I, you know, as a first person shooter junkie, it looked cool. But I, 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 I sent it to Sean because I know Sean's been kind of has gotten away from from the first person shooters. But I was like, oh, I bet yeah. Sean even thinks this is cool. It looks cool. I got to be honest. I probably cannot keep up with the gameplay. It's I don't even know if I too can. Fast dude. There's there's so much happening in that. Yeah, I, I don't know either. But I I will say I uh so I entered a couple of Kickstarter campaigns, um, Broken Age, the uh, uh, what you call it, the uh, the very first Kickstarter that made three million dollars, the video game from the oh, wow. uh, Double okay. Fine guys. Okay. Um, I I bought into that Kickstarter and that the first act of Broken Age, which was the, what they produced from that Kickstarter, came out I think two weeks ago. So I downloaded oh, really? it. Yeah, I downloaded it on Steam and I started playing it. And it how's that? It's it's a point and click game and it's fun. Um, yeah, it's it's pretty fun. But I haven't played a ton of it yet. But um, that's I mean it's uh, it's slow paced. It's a point and click action sure. adventure yeah, of course, game. I know it's different. Yeah. And uh, that's kind of <laughs> feels like that's what my pace is now. It's like give me time. Let me Just think give about me it. all my time to to deal with it. Because you know these fast paced games, they're a lot of fun, but they're super duper frustrating. And I, anyone who has I, heard me on the podcast, yeah, I'm not I, good at frustration. So I am. Um, but I think day. I'm finding though that you could play games differently. Yeah. Like I think I could show you, like even on um, I I think and I'm finding now after playing, I don't know how many generations of Call of Duty now. I'm finding that's kind of a difference between uh, Treyarch, who does the Black Ops series, and, and Infinity Ward, who did Modern Warfare, and then now Ghost. My play style for those two games now, I'm realizing, are completely different. Black Ops, I realize, I it's 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 to me, it's a run and gun game, dude. And we played last night. A group of us played Modern Warfare three for a bit, and then we played Black Ops two. Then you play Ghost. We just wanted to see, just go back and have some nostalgia. The play style for Black Ops two is all about run and gun. Fuck every class I have, dude, is designed to just get there fast and whatever else. When I play Ghost though, now. I find I am most effective covering areas. Hmm. You can run and gun, and there's smaller maps that I do that stuff with, but I'm most effective covering an area. And I know the map's not pretty well, and I know where guys are going to be, and I we play mostly domination, and I and I know zones. Like, I, I, I get in an area, and I'm like, this is my best coverage. Yeah. And I can watch this area, and my aim my aim's good enough to where I'm like, I can do this. I also notice, like, on a, a color standpoint, like, the colors are so muted in, in, in the Infinity War games, I can't see anybody. Yeah. So we went back to, we played Modern Warfare 2 the other day. Which is nearly Fuck, black and white. I can't see anybody. Yeah. And I realized that it's the same for me, kind of in Ghost. I have to run a thermal or a tracking site. Or I and I'm well, I'm 37. Yeah. I, I can't fucking see people. You ever you ever crank the color setting? On I didn't the TV do the up? colors. No, I didn't <laughs> do the colors. But I tell you those those scopes are. And I my buddy Brian uh, Blackstar I used to play competitive TF2 with. I got him on the other night. I said to him the same thing. I said, Hey dude, throw that thermal on. And he got it on. He started playing. And he's like, he's like, oh, he's like, oh, this is cheating. I'm like, no, 
you can see people now. I'm like, yeah. I, I can't fucking see people in these games. And, and like I said, maybe it's I'm getting older. I don't know. But uh, and I and I don't wear glasses. I just I, I just can't see anybody. And uh, the way the designs game or, or it's the way it's designed. Um, but yeah, dude, I. I yeah, I I tried the cover game, but so I, get, I sort of I play get, these areas. I now. get antsy and I get impatient, and I'm like, oh, I'm gonna go find some action. And then I go find some action, and I'm dead immediately. I'm like, well, that doesn't work either. And that's what happened when I first started yeah. Ghost. That's what happened, and now now I'm now I'm where I can have these really good games or because yeah. I strategically move. When I I, need I to. never really did do the research to find out like these are the hot spots that you want to watch. And these are the areas that you can watch. Well, yeah, areas from. that you can like, yeah. but you, you, I call roaming in, but you sure. roam in really small areas that give you the most map coverage. And I'm like, I'm most effective at like long shots in this. Like that's my, I can, I can hold down areas, yeah. hands down, hold down areas. If I can roam within here and I have a team who knows what they're doing, which means these parts where I can get flanked, I don't think about because they're covered. I know my guys, where they're at and all this, yeah. um, which I, when I realize now, when I play by myself, I can't. It's really you, tough for me. No, that. man. You when know, you get, get a bunch of randoms, you're like, fuck. You can't trust anybody. They all have their own agendas. So yeah. uh, that's kind of cool, though, about the uh, about the Kickstarter thing that you actually got to play something that, that yeah. got put out. You know, I, besides for Carter's game, right. like, you don't really hear a lot of games actually getting. That's the big debate right now. All these people who want money for their games and they don't actually put anything out. Yeah. Well, Double Fine delivered. They delivered the first act. They were working on the second act. And, um, I uh, I also bought into Wasteland 2. I never played Wasteland 1, but Wasteland 2 seemed oh, interesting. Wasteland. It's kind of like an RPG-ish third-person roamer shooter okay. game. Um, and uh, there's another game that's a survivalist game. I can't remember the name of it, but you're essentially you're in Alaska, and you have to survive. Oh, shit, yeah, you talked about yeah, that. Yeah, and the thing that intrigued me, the only reason that I picked this game because there are a lot of survival games that seem to be coming out all over the place on Steam, on Green, you know, the the Green. Uh, since world, since uh, what is it, Daisy? Daisy, People yeah, Daisy love these like open environments. So. But I don't want to play a zombie survival game. I want to play a world survival game, right? Because those don't really exist. So, uh, so I sort found of like this... Grand Theft Auto. Like, <laughs> nah, no, not really. Um, <laughs> so I found this shot on the street. Dog? I found this game. Um, that I, I should probably just look it up so I can say what it is, but uh, it is a survival game where you are in Alaska, and uh, the thing that really drew me to the game is the graphics in the game. It's a it's a three D game. It's not like a two D wander or sure. anything like that. It's a three D first person game, but it has a very graphic style to all of oh, it's the very elements. Sti- yeah, it's, it's it definitely stylized. stylized. Yeah, it's very um, stylized. And I thought it was super cool being stylized that much. So. Uh, I was like, oh, I'll buy into this, and hopefully they get, you know, they get awarded. Actually, I think it already is awarded, and I did their post. So, um, buy so let me ask you this: somebody, somebody like you, Sean, like in particular, who's who's really getting into the Steam stuff, Steam box appeal to you? Oh, I haven't researched playing on your big it yet. TV instead of just on your computer. I haven't researched yet. What does uh, what does intrigue me is the uh, controller. I, that uh, is Steam box aside, the controller's ability to adapt itself. To different game, game types. types, yeah, that seems interesting. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. I kind of feel like Steam, like Steam themselves and and Valve could probably have just taken over the market with their controller itself, if it does what they say it can do. Yeah, because I mean, imagine being able to play a game on on a console that wasn't designed for a console, but you can still play it right on the console. That sounds really cool yeah. to me. Because uh, 
you know, I'm playing some games on the PC and some games on the console. And it's just like Josh has said, like a lot of people have said, it's just so much more relaxing to sit down, pick up the controller, play a little bit, and then put it down. I feel like when I go to the PC now, it's in a different room. Oh, a it's set, all set yeah. up. I'm in a chair. I'm upright. I'm I'm like, I have shitty posture. And, yeah. and I'm, you know, I'm working on a desk that's not the right. It just doesn't feel comfortable as, as comfortable as it did. And it doesn't feel as leisurely. Gaming has kind of always been leisurely to me, so yeah, I'm I'm intrigued by the controller, not so much the box itself. It's so gonna funny because evolve. gaming to me, like, there's two styles. Like, there is that leisurely gaming, and I have certain games that I play like that. For me, oh man, like for me, like I just gaming was so competitive when I really got into it, first-person shooters that, like, I have to like sit at my desk and play like the first-person stuff. I have to feel like I'm still competing or something, which is odd. Um, where I can yeah. play Grand Theft Auto or FIFA or something like that sitting on my couch. I'm like, oh, this is cool. I can do this. That's fine. I wonder, yeah, Steam, the Steam thing intrigues me, though. I, I, I have a lot of games that I bought that I haven't played in a long time. It would be cool to sit on the couch and see if I could replay them just sitting on the couch. Absolutely. But I thought maybe you'd really, yeah, that'd be kind of some, something you'd be into the more you keep buying these Steam games. I don't know. I can't find this game all of a sudden, but uh, we'll I'll post, post it. it. Yeah, we'll post. I think maybe we. I don't know if we did or not. I showed it to you and Josh, but I don't think we posted it. So, look at that, dude. Two of us, and how long have we gone? We've gone an hour and a half. Ain't that some shit? Yeah. I think uh, maybe maybe it's time to call it. Well, hey. Any uh, closing thoughts? I don't know. The fact that this is what was this? Was this Ocho Ocho Siete? Oh, yeah, we never mentioned that, right? Yeah. It's 60s. No, not 60, 80. Eight, whatever. It's eight, seven, 87? 70? Uh, 87? I have it right here, yes. 87, episode 87. Ocho How about that shit? Uh, oh, and by yeah. the way, for our listeners, we, I mean, we're coming up to the 100th show. Trying to oh, think yeah, of something to do for our 100th show. Um, if anyone has any ideas, we're we're open to a lot of stuff. We've got some time. Obviously, we've got a, numerous weeks. So uh, hit us up with ideas. Post to Facebook, comment us, email us at nerdtastic and 3 d at gmail.com for ideas. Um, kind of want to do something fun and a little bit more substantial than just a show. But yeah, I'd love to go. Sh- I'd love to go record live again somewhere. I don't know, I had fun. I had fun when we were recording in Vegas. I thought that was kind of neat. Yeah, it was fun. That we could record in the room and stuff. And we're at a point now where we can kind of take this mobile. Let's record from the top of the tallest building in the world. Oh, my world. fuck. <laughs> I, we, we wouldn't make, me and you wouldn't make it. No, there, there no. wouldn't even be a conversation. Like, nah, I'm on the third Me and Sean floor, are going to go fine. down to Shanghai and get us some Blade Runner style noodles. <laughs> mm, oh, I said that got two. I said two. Um, yeah. Yeah. This is why I love these shows. We can sit in bullshit forever, and it, it doesn't really affect me. But yeah, uh, we can run out the camera even. Yeah, clearly we killed the GoPro. I got yeah, I got to get back on that. I'm gonna. That's gonna be my new challenge. I seem to I seem to keep slacking. I'm about like 10, I'm back to ten behind on YouTube. Oh shit! I'm gonna get those back up. Believe it or not, I do record most of these shows uh, that I can put up. So I will get that back up. But uh, yeah, man, this has been task in 3D. I'm Jack Deckler. Sean Fuck, we're awesome. Have a wonderful evening. Sir! Nerd testing! Nerd testing! Nerd testing!